Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. <laughs> New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everyone. Super excited for another chaotic life update. My mom's probably not listening because this is this is just so funny. Like, okay, you guys know if you listen to the Laney episode, my mom listened to every episode of Real Pod. Love her for that. However, on my drive here this morning, my mom's like, what are you recording today? And I was like, your favorite, a chaotic life update. She's like, I hate those. They give me a headache. <laughs> and I'm like, the only one that really I think was headache inducing was the OG chaotic life update. And that's where the name even came from because it was chaotic. I think the second one, I talked slower. I gave my mom some shit in the intro of that one as well. And this is, I think, the third one. But I'm really enjoying this series because I just have so much to say and I don't want to drag on one of these topics for 40 minutes. So I'm like, let me just pile them all in together. So I'll start with a just a general mood check in. I'm going to be honest. I woke up on not the complete wrong side of the bed today, but like a half side of the bed in the sense that I was just in like a eh, like a man mood. I actually saw like a negative comment on TikTok and it just like really got under my skin. Mind you, I'm still laying in my bed half awake when I'm doing this, which is just another thing is like, when am I actually going to take to heart all of the morning routine conversations we have on RealPod with people who are just doing life right? And they say how important it is to not check your phone in the morning. And I like enthusiastically agree. And then I still check my phone every morning. 
I guess I just crack that down to be one. Maybe I have a phone addiction, but I just also think everyone kind of moves at their own pace. And there's only so many things we can like, quote, fix in our life at a time. And that's something I'm learning to accept because I think I used to try to, you know, map out everything I was going to do differently the next day. Like, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to work out. I'm going to get a journal. I'm going to do this gratitude writing. I used to think it all has to happen tomorrow. And now I've been realizing little things will change over time. And then if I go slowly, I can actually make these changes in a digestible way. And one of those things is working out. I actually feel like I'm finally at a place where I am working out consistently and I enjoy doing it and I'm doing it alone because before when I was working out consistently, I was doing it with Max. And then when we stopped working out together because of our scheduling conflicts, I just stopped working out. So I've been working out three times a week at a high intensity workout class. So I've been doing a lot of berries and F45 and I really like it. At the start of every week, I book my three classes and I've been going. It's been three weeks now, which to me that, well, it's so funny because to me, I'm like, yeah, I work out three times a week. Whereas Max is like, babe, he's like, How, you've been doing this for like 15 days. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. And what about it? I work out three days a week. So this is my new personality trait. But I just was thinking as I was driving to my workout, wow, like it's taken me so many years and I've done a lot of different podcasts on this. And most recently I did that episode on transitioning post-sport. And so this is kind of the update on that is I think I've finally, you know, the stars have aligned in my life where I'm desiring movement, I'm doing it and I'm doing it consistently. So I'm super proud of myself. However, dun, 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 there is like a kicker that's come with working out. And I really, really want to talk about this because I was just like venting about it to Aubrey and then also to Natalie. And both of them were like, yes, this is such a thing and I relate. And so I want to share it here. I have been experiencing more body image and food thoughts, like not the great ones, the toxic diet culture voice ones recently than I have in a really long time. And I couldn't figure out why at first. I was really in my head about what I was eating in front of Max. Like at home at my apartment, I would think to myself, you know, is does he think I'm eating too much? Is he going to make a comment that I'm having another snack? Like I was really in my head like coming up with all these fears of what Max must be thinking or how he's judging me based on what I'm eating. And then I would go into, and well, I don't weigh myself anymore and I don't keep track of my body. So what if I've gained weight? And what if Max thinks that? And he, like I was true. I don't want to say I was spiraling because I didn't actually have a binging episode which if if any of you do, it's totally fine to have that. I'm just get, painting you the color of my story. So I, I'm having these thoughts and I was more like, like emotionally eating just more at night than I usually do. But I guess I wouldn't qualify it as a binge because I wasn't alone. I wasn't hiding food and I really wasn't eating like copious and copious amounts. But I was definitely like snacking and eating out of like, this thought of maybe I shouldn't be, which is a thought that I haven't had in my brain for a long time. So I'm having these thoughts and these weird 
feelings related to food and related to Max specifically. So I recognize I'm kind of starting to spiral in my mind and this is not like me. And I think the best thing I can do here is literally voice it. I can speak my thoughts aloud and I could speak them to Max because I know my binge eating mind is really triggered and fueled by secrecy. And this thought that like, no one can know what I'm eating and I can't tell anyone what I'm thinking. So I knew if I did the very opposite of that, I could combat these thoughts. So Max and I were at home and finally, like he's home from work. I think we're about to go on a date. And it was so funny. I go, babe. And he literally looked, you know, when you say it slightly different and then your partner knows like what? Like they know you're about to get into some heavy conversation. (laughs) So I started giggling and I was like, I promise. I was like, you've done nothing wrong. It has nothing to do with you. And it's not that deep. I just need to tell you something that I've been thinking. And he's like, okay. And I just said to him, and I was talking about this on my stories the other day when someone asked me, how do you communicate to your partner when you don't know like what to say? And the truth is you just say all that you can and you acknowledge you might not know what the solution is. So I said to him, I don't know why. It's not your fault. You've done nothing wrong. But recently, I've just had a lot of thoughts about eating in front of you and that I'm like afraid to eat in front of you. And it's making me think I need to hide food from you or that you're secretly feeling some type of way about me or my body or what I'm eating. And I know if I don't say anything to you, I'm going to keep building this narrative and it's not going to be good for me. So I just kind of want to just say it. And I think what I do need is you to reaffirm the boundary that I've set that you won't say, you know, say anything about what I'm eating and you won't judge me based on what I'm eating. So I basically expressed to him how I was feeling and then said, I'm kind of in a place where I need you to reaffirm that you recognize and respect my boundary. And, you know, he's so sweet and he starts smiling because he's like, I saw something on your story the other day and I was like, I think I needed to ask you about it. It was when I posted the mindful eating tips video. And anyways, Max was like, babe, of course, like I won't ever say anything about what you're eating. Like he goes for what it's worth. I haven't even thought about this at all. Like, which to me, I was like, what? Because I remember sitting on the couch with him eating and thinking, oh my God, he's totally thinking about what I'm eating right now. And then of course he wasn't at all. So that was important for me to just kind of speak the thoughts. But then I'm still thinking, why was I feeling this way about food? And then I went to visit Aubrey. I was just in San Francisco and she texted me and said, I am at the grocery store getting snacks for the weekend. Like, what do you want? And my immediate thought in my mind was, I don't want you to buy snacks because I don't want to have food around the house. And I cannot believe that was my thought. I cannot believe that was my thought. I have, I literally have felt so safe around food and so comfortable in my relationship that I, like that, that's not a thing because I know I can eat when I want, what I want, and I'm, there's no fear of binging or restricting. So the fact that that was my first thought was a big red flag for me. I was like, what is going on? I think for anyone who's healing their relationship post eating disorder, you know the feeling of then you start to freak out because you're like, wait, 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 like what's going on? Like, where's my healthy relationship with food? All this work I've done, like, why am I having these thoughts? And then you start to kind of like, have thoughts about the thoughts and then, you know, the spiraling continues. So I, I, I felt better with Max, but I was still having this issue. And then the fact that Aubrey texted me about snacks and I couldn't trust myself was really unlike me. So then Aubrey, I ended up sending something like whatever you want. And then I think I said, and then she said, no, what do you want? And I think I said fruit roll-ups. <laughs> I forget. And she was like, I'm just going to get popcorn and some snacks. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. 
And then when Aubrey got home and we were just catching up and like talking on her bed for hours, those are the best. Don't you just love catching up with like your long distance friend and just it's the best. It is literally my happy place. And I said to her, it was so funny. We got like a lull in the conversation and I was like, this is different, but I just kind of want to talk about this with you because I'm curious your thoughts and I think it's good for me to keep voicing it because once again, I know my eating disorder voice and secrecy and shame are where it grows. Like that's how it becomes even bigger and stronger. So the more I speak it, the less powerful it is. And I said to her, when you texted me about the snacks, it's so weird. I literally thought to myself, I don't want her to get snacks because I don't want food around. It was so weird for me. I, I was like, I literally don't know why I had that thought. I said, I wonder if it's because I've been working out a lot. And she said, dude, that's totally it. She said, I have the same thing. Like when I start working out a lot, somehow you just get, you know, those, you just get into this. Well, if I worked out and I sweat, you know, then I want to eat healthy. So then I don't want to eat, quote, junk food or bad food. Like it's almost like does the workout create this space and this mindset of diet culture because it's so tied to fitness. And I started thinking about it more. And I was like, yeah, you feel really good and energized after your workout. So then you're like, I want nutrients and I want vegetables and I want you get into that mindset. And then I think I was like subconsciously villainizing like chips and snacks and candy, maybe more than I did before I was working out. And so talking to Aubrey about this helped me kind of put these pieces together. And then she was like, what's your plan? Like, how are you going to approach this? And I said to her, I just have to stay calm and compassionate with myself. I was intuitive eating in college when I was working out way harder than I've been working out with my three workouts a week. So I know I can intuitively eat while I work out. I just think when I went from college to not working out, I had a transition where intuitive eating was a little bit rocky for me because I was adjusting to my new hunger, appetite, and not working out. And then I figured it out and everything's great. And that's kind of where I've been for like four years. And now I'm starting to transition back to working out again. And I'm once again crossing that little bridge of like intuitive eating with a new routine. And so I said, I'm just going to be compassionate with myself and kind and take each thought as it comes. And you know, the same way that I adjusted the first time when I transitioned out of working out is the same way I will transition back into working out. And I swear, after that conversation with her, well, we went out and we had an amazing dinner of like noodles and curry. And then we had pizza the next night. We had a great weekend of food. And I felt like I kind of, for lack of a better term, had like my mojo back. I almost think just speaking it out loud to both people. And then it was funny, Natalie called me and we were talking and catching up and I was like, it's been great. I've been working out. And she asked me like, how was working out affected intuitive eating? And I told her all of this. I was like, I was like, it's so funny you asked that because it really has. And I explained basically everything I just told you all. I just think all these conversations were so helpful. And I don't feel like I've ha like, I feel like I'm back in rhythm. And I truly think it's because I was talking about it and working through it with people I trust and love and now I feel great. And so anyways, I just wanted to share that because for anyone who's been trying to work out more like me, I don't know if this is something that's come up for you. So that's kind of how I worked through it. And now I feel like I'm at a good place. That was the first topic of the solo episode that took a little longer than expected. We'll go to a quick break and be right back. This episode is sponsored by Bite. 
I love Bite. It just makes my teeth feel so clean. It was a little weird at first, I'll be honest, because, you know, it's not the toothpaste you're used to. It's this thing that you chew. It like took a minute to get used to, but now I am obsessed. My biggest pet peeve with toothpaste is when those blue blobs get stuck in your sink. That can be completely taken care of when using Bite. Bite makes dry toothpaste tablets made with clean ingredients that are sulfate-free, palm oil-free, and glycerin-free. Bite toothpaste bits are so convenient. You just pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up, and start brushing, and then it will turn into paste just like you're used to, but with none of the mess and no plastic tubing. So it's a win for the environment as well. Bite also makes a lot of different plastic-free alternatives for everything on your bathroom sink from toothpaste, mouthwash, toothbrushes, and deodorant. So be sure to check all of it out. Also, Bites like sleek glass bottles and jars are so pretty. And having those on my vanity in my bathroom, they just like elevate your shelf game and make everything look aesthetic, which I like. Bite is offering RealPod listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash RealPod or use code RealPod at checkout to claim this deal. That's trybite, T-R-Y-B-I-T-E, dot com slash real pod for 20%. That's a lot off your first order. That's trybite.com slash real pod or use code real pod at checkout to claim this offer. My feet, if they could choose a favorite sponsor, it would be Vionic. And you want to know why? Because Vionic not only has so many cute, amazing shoe options, right? They curate styles to get you in the summer mood and on your way, no matter where the season takes you. But all of their shoes are made with Vionic's exclusive Viomotion technology. And this is what really sets them apart. They began by revolutionizing medical orthotics, which back in the day when I was like in middle school, your girl was wearing those. And still today, my feet need support. And today, Vionic continues to use that science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day long. I have the Vionic slippers. I have the sneakers. I have the slides. Whenever I can wear Vionic, I do because of that support. And Vionic even offers a 30-day risk-free trial so you can wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason. So seriously, there is like no harm in trying because of this 30-day risk-free trial. You can literally make an order today. And if for any reason you want a refund, you can do that within 30 days. So what are you waiting for? Trust me, check out Vionic and give your feet the support they deserve. Throughout the month of July, you can use the code REALPOD15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.vionicshoes.com. That's www.vionic, spelled V-I-O-N-I-C, shoes.com and use code REALPOD, all caps, no spaces, 15, REALPOD15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. So I wanted to update you all on my summer plans. And along with that comes some fun stories and just tips I wanted to share. So I just got back from a bachelorette for my friend that was so much fun. And then this summer, we're going to two different weddings. Very excited about that. And then have a couple like friends or family trips. But because so many of us are entering wedding season, whether it's for you or for your friends, 
I thought because I've done a lot of podcasts on the bride perspective and the struggles and things I navigated there, I wanted to talk about how to show up for your friends who are brides and are getting married because I truly think it's something you can't fully understand until you've been in that position yourself and you've had a wedding. But there are so many people who want to show up for their friends and they want to be a good friend during this really important time in this person you love's life. But like I said, you might not just know what to do or know the tools. So I wanted to just share a few tips that I think would be helpful for anyone who's going on bachelorettes for your friend or you're a bridesmaid for your friend or you're simply going to a friend's wedding. So when I was on the batch trip in Cabo, I wrote down some little ideas that I think would be helpful in like no particular order. So there's probably three different phases, I'd say. There's just being a good friend during the season of someone's bridal era, right? Like the whole thing lumped together. And then there's attending a bachelorette and then there's attending a wedding. In general, some things to think about, just like supporting your friend while they're going through this process. Always just checking in when you can, even if it's a little text and you say like, hi, bride, like what's on the wedding agenda for the week? Fill me in because this bride is just all she's thinking about is her wedding every day because she's planning it and constantly in conversations. So they love to talk about it. And so just a text that's like, hey, like wanted to just check in. What's new with wedding planning? That will go such a long way and just let them know that you're also thinking and that you also care. So those texts, FaceTimes, calls, always appreciated. I think in line with that, just asking how they're feeling, asking if there's anything that you can do to support them or help them. If you can take them to a mani-pedi, if you can bring them coffee on your way to work, any little things like that. Like I'm about to see Cubby tonight and I know she's had a lot on her plate. And so I'm planning to pick her up a little gift card to her favorite nail salon. I know she goes to in Santa Monica and I'm just going to bring it and say, you know, your next manicure is on me. Like the next time you go, I know you've had so much on your plate. And like that will go such a long way. I think about the little things that my friends did for me that I won't forget. And just I think that thoughtfulness counts. As far as the bachelorette, I have a lot of thoughts here, actually. The first thing is to think about the maid of honor. The maid of honor on this bachelorette trip has truly probably done so much planning. And so not only do you want to make sure you're asking the bride, are you excited? Like, can't wait to celebrate you. But you want to text the Mo and say, hi, anything I can do, anything I can bring. Do you need help on the trip? Whether it's like the itinerary or calling the hotel or confirming a reservation, like anything you can do to just ask the Mo if they need support is like extra, extra, because a lot of people don't even think about the maid of honor. Then for The Bachelorette, I am super sentimental and my love language, one of my love languages is gifts because my love language is all of them, which Max hates. But you want to bring any little card or gift. I mean, my friends on my batch, some of them just wrote me a card like and it can be a really cheap $3.299 card. And they just wrote like so excited to be on this trip with you and celebrate you. I love you so much. And I still have those cards and it meant a lot to me. My cousin Taylor brought me little bridal slides on my bachelorette. And I thought that was so thoughtful. And so actually for Chloe's, I brought her some little bride slides as a little gift. And look, I know bachelorettes are incredibly expensive, so you absolutely do not have to be spending more money on top of what you're probably already spending to participate in the trip. But if you did want to do a little card, it's just sweet and thoughtful. 
The next thing is just, I mean, this is obvious, but like just not wearing white. I mean, and it's so funny because when I wasn't the bride and I'm packing, I'm like, wait, my whole closet is white. I have a white button down. I have a white tank. I have white shorts. But I think, I mean, it depends who your friend is. Some don't care, but the ones that maybe do care, like it's just the one trip, like just try not to pack white. Three, every time you see the bride, this is so funny. I wrote this down on the trip because I remember feeling this way in a new outfit, like on The Bachelorette, the chances are they have spent weeks and months like planning what they are wearing to the casual hangover brunch. So just to always say, love your outfit. You look so cute. I'm sure most of us, we pack like two nights before the, the Bachelorette trip, but the bride has probably planned all of her outfits. So just always complimenting the outfits. If you like them, complimenting those little things and accessories will go a really long way because they've really probably tried to kind of curate these, these fits. The fourth one is super important. And it's just like making sure the bride stays in La La Land. And what I mean by La La Land is like no controversy, no dealing with drama, no anything that's not la la land right we want the bride happy in a la la land so for example on the bachelorette i was on there was accidentally like a little kitchen mishap where i think like a plate or something fell and you know broke and so we had to clean it up and i think the bride was around that and it's just being like you know let's say the bride's name is julia yeah then you're just like julia like let's come out here and like we can swim and like these girls will help clean it up or i'll clean it up and julia you go over there and jump in the pool so you know just little things to keep the bride like always in a place of having fun and you know picking up the slack where you can help out the group so that the bride doesn't have to deal with that stuff and then i think the last ones are like oh, if the bride's doing something cute take a photo take a video like just do it without asking because she's gonna want it nothing's about you. So no matter what's going on in your life that could be really intense, dark or whatever, just make sure that, you know, this is like two or three days where it can be about someone else. And like, hopefully if you're going on the trip, you're in a headspace where like you can show up for someone else for this weekend. So I'm just always cautious of not like telling a super long story about my life or something depressing and dark that could take away from the energy. And then I think asking about the wedding, that's obvious. Asking about the groom, think, or the whoever, the bride, you know, whoever they're going to be marrying. And then thinking the Mo multiple times, even sending like a thank you text when the trip's over. All these things, I think, are just ways to be extra sweet and special to this person that you're celebrating. So I wanted to kind of go through that little list with y'all because you might be on lots of bachelorettes this summer. And then lastly is just the wedding. So showing up to a wedding, and I've been to weddings for friends that I'm really close with. I've been to weddings with friends where I know I'm like not super close, so I don't want to be like hogging all the bride's time. I would say, you know, important to RSVP, send your RSVP in so they don't have to track you down. They've got a million things going on. If you're going to be sending a gift, making sure you do that in time as well. And if you don't send a gift or can't afford to buy a gift, once again, just writing a card, I think is super sweet and thoughtful and goes a long way. I think also after the wedding, just texting them and saying like, that was such an amazing wedding. We had so much fun because the couple is always going to be thinking, I hope people enjoyed my wedding and they thought my wedding was fun because they worked so hard on it. So if you did have a good time to send them that text and just affirm for them, it was a really great weekend as well. Oh, and then I would just say like leading up to the wedding, like I literally just texted Chloe this morning and said, hi, like tell me what's on the wedding agenda this week. Like I would love to know what's going on because her wedding's now a month away and she's already sent me this big text back about, you know, they're working on this playlist and that. And, you know, it's just so sweet. So just make sure you're texting and checking in. 
All right, that's kind of all that I had there. You're going to kill it. You're going to be great. And I'm sure your friends really, really appreciate you. We're going to take one more quick break and be right back with the next topic. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I'm so glad that it is. If you are struggling with anything, whether it's uncertainty about where you're going in life, what the right path is for you, you're faced with a tough choice. You know, sometimes when we experience those situations, the path forward isn't always clear. And I've been there and I still feel like I'm there with certain things. And talking it through with a professional is one of the best, best things that you can do for yourself. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. When I first started therapy, I ended up switching therapists. And I think that is so important. And I love that BetterHelp has a no questions, no extra charges asked policy and allows you to switch therapists until you find the one that is right for you. So don't hesitate. Visit betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp better com slash real pod. So the other day I was in therapy and it was one of those sessions where you go in and you're like not really sure what you want to talk about that day. And sometimes I maybe will cancel these sessions if I think about it soon enough because I don't want to pay for it if I don't think I'm going to be getting a lot out of the session. But I forgot to cancel so I didn't want to lose the money. So I went to the session and I ended up having a really good conversation, which is so funny. Every time you think you're not going to have a good therapy session, that's usually when you have the best ones. I brought up the fact that I kind of get a little bit of an anxiety when I feel like I'm hosting friends. And this could be if I'm hosting a group of people to my house or I'm mixing friends or I feel like I'm responsible for the happiness or the enjoyment of other people. And it's not always there with like my best friends, because with those people, I feel like I can just truly be myself. And I, of course, feel like I can be myself with all my friends. But when I'm hosting six people, I do feel this need to be like, is everyone getting along? Is everyone having a good time? Does everyone feel included? Is everyone, you know, and I think I get that a lot from my mom. My mom's a really, really good host and known for her hosting. Like Lainey knows how to throw a party is what everyone says. But I think I've seen my mom want to make sure everyone's having an amazing time because she's such a good host that then I almost replicate that behavior. And I'm very much like Max calls me a little laney whenever we're like hosting people because I light my candles and I put the appetizers out and I clean like crazy beforehand. And I'm very much like, does anyone need anything? And can I get you a water? Can I get you with this? And as a result, it kind of stresses me out because I'm like, in a way, and this is what I was talking about in therapy and realizing when we do that, we're trying to control the emotions of other people and we can't control other people's emotions. And also, I would never want anyone to feel like they have to cater or micromanage me. Like if I showed up to a friend's house, which this is also so 
funny. Katie Austin, one of our good friends and her fiance, Lane Max, and I went over to their place for a double date recently. And we showed up and Katie is dressed so chill, kind of in like a PJ sweats. You know, she's got her new dog running around. She's mid cooking. It was just very casual vibes. And I honestly felt like that was so inviting. And it was such a compliment. Like, you know, we're close enough friends and we're so comfortable with each other that it's not like everything is perfectly buttoned up. And the way that I would maybe feel I'd need things to be if I had someone over. And it made me think I am kind of creating this own thing in my head that I don't want to host people or I don't want to like have groups over because it stresses me out too much when it's like, Vic, it doesn't even need to stress you out. I think the takeaway I had here was that when we're people pleasing, we're actually trying to control how other people perceive us and how other people feel. And we literally can't do those things. And on top of that, like I even prefer it when people don't try to do that for me. And I wanted to share that because this summer I'm going to be hosting some high school friends for a fun weekend. And it's been making me anxious just thinking about how everyone's going to be and is everyone going to be happy. And I think it's like a good exposure for me to try to just like let go and just trust that everyone's an adult. Everyone can take care of themselves. And I don't need to be taking care of everyone in the way that like I feel. So that's just maybe a little people pleasing revelation I've had recently for my fellow recovering people pleasers. I have two more things I want to talk about today before we wrap. And the first I'll just say is like this phone addiction thing, which I talked about this briefly in the beginning that I need my phone in the mornings. And recently, if you've been following the Instagram, you've seen some of the content I've done around feeling like I cannot put my phone away. Like, and it is crazy when I walk from my bedroom to my bathroom, I bring my phone and my nightstand, I shit you not, is four feet from my bathroom counter. And I bring it. I switch it from that counter to this counter. For what? Like, because I have this desire to have my phone with me at all times. And I've been thinking about it more because I've been trying to get into reading. And as I sit down to read a book, I literally can't read two pages without flipping my phone over to see, has anyone texted me? Does anyone need me? Has anything happened? I cannot even read a chapter of a book for 15 minutes in peace without checking my phone. And that to me was when I made that video on my bed where I said, I want so badly to put my phone away and I physically cannot. And I was so comforted by the amount of people who responded to that saying, literally, I relate to this so hard. It was hundreds of people. And I realized we all have this like similar addiction to our phone My mom said to me, well, why don't you just try like, you know, not using your phone for a while? I'm going on this trip in August with Max's family. We're going to Priest Lake in Idaho. It's going to be so lovely. We're going to be in cabins and we're going to be on the lake. And I don't even know if there's going to be Wi-Fi. And I keep thinking that would be the perfect week. It'd be the perfect week to not use my phone, to take a true detox from my phone. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid because, well, some real reasons. I think the first reason from a business standpoint is like, can I truly not post for seven days and then come back to Instagram and have the same level of engagement? Like that's a true business question because the engagement that we have, you know, that I post every day and respond to y'all every day and you guys engage with me every day, that's a special thing. And to just not have that for seven days and then return, like, I don't know. Is the algorithm not going to push me out because they recognize I didn't post? Are people going to forget about 
consuming my content and then not care to consume it. You know, I just have those worries of like these horror stories of an influencer who took a month off and then returned and just never got their engagement back to where it was. And so I think about that. I don't think it would be so severe for seven days, but I think about it. The second thing, and this is this is one my friends would give me so much shit for, is, look, I think everyone is a little bi. Like, I just, I, you know. Especially me. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Christiana, producer on the mic. Love it. It's a joke we joke about. I'm very happy in my marriage and Max, and I don't want to be with anyone else. But it made me think about this because my fear with my phone is if I didn't use my phone, I'm like, would I like that life? Like, would I like not having a phone? And then I kind of spiral and I'm like, I don't even want to know what it's like to not have my phone for a week because I fear if I actually then didn't want to use my phone or social media again. So yeah, that's that's a lot for you guys. You're like, okay, Vic, I'm trying to piece this all together. But I guess at a high level, I need to evaluate my relationship with my phone. And I am having the thoughts. I'm having the conversations with myself, which is important. And I'm, like I said in the very beginning, slowly working my way to figuring out what's the adjustment going to be. And I don't know yet, but we're on our way. We're on our merry way and we're taking our sweet time and we're doing everything one step at a time because improving yourself and your mental health and your life is a process and it's not an overnight thing. So I'm embracing that and I'm having compassion and we will continue the phone conversations. I'm also trying to get an amazing expert on dopamine on the podcast and we have it booked. I'm trying to move it up. So stay tuned for that. The very last thing I want to talk about, because it wouldn't be a chaotic life update if it didn't end in sheer chaos, is something called simulation theory. And Christiana, feel free to turn your mic on for this and chime in if things get a little weird and you have questions. Aubrey and I were talking about this in San Francisco and just dying laughing. It's this theory that we are actually in a simulation. So our world isn't real. This is a simulation. We think it's real, but it's actually not. And I know that that sounds very scary, but think about it this way. Think about the way that we're evolving AI. Okay, think about your Amazon Echo or your Alexa. Okay, and think about the way that AI is just, you know, growing and becoming smarter and can think faster than humans and pull answers faster than humans. And I think the question is like, could AI gain consciousness? And if AI gains consciousness, it will be aware of itself and there really won't be a major difference between AI and us because if AI becomes a sentient being, like, does AI have rights? Like, we can't just unplug AI because we're killing it, right? Because now it's conscious. So the theory is like, if we were to create conscious AI, which doesn't seem like it's that far off, then who's to say that we are not already conscious AI who's been created by another something and that we think we're real, but we're actually a simulation. And so I was listening to Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard, and he had a Armchair and Dangerous. It's from 2021, but I just went back and found it called Simulation Theory with David Ferrier. And Dak Shepard had a funny analogy. He's like, what if these people who like have been around and are way smarter than us, like these aliens are trying to find a cure for global warming and they've ran like you know, a thousand different tests. And right now we're inside one of the tests and like our world we think is real, but it's just actually happening in the span of like three seconds to give them an answer of if our simulation discovered how to solve global warming or not. 
but we think our lives are real. Okay, I have a question. Would we ever be able to know? Is there any way to know in the theories that you've discussed that we are AI or that we are living in a simulation? So I was going down a rabbit hole last night for like evidence that we are already in a simulation. And to scare you, there's a lot of things that point to us. I hate this so much. That point to us being in a simulation. And I think the most compelling, this is so fucking funny. You're going to die at this. Okay. I think the most compelling thing is, you know how our galaxy is like so incredibly large that we don't even have numbers to describe how large the galaxy is, right? And that there are other planets and other universes and other galaxies. And there has to be life on these other planets, of course, Mm -hmm. if we are the speck. So if there are life on these other planets, where where are all the aliens? That's the theory. It's like, why have we not been visited by them? And maybe it's because in our simulation, you know how like every video game, there's like, like imagine if you're running a guy on a video game and you run him to like this part of the video game and he he can't pass that that barrier. So it's almost like outer space is that barrier in our simulation that like we can't pass. And then also the fact that the speed of light has a speed like that just sounds like code. Like they put a max on the speed of light because then we can't like you know dig. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just being honest. Okay, wait, let me let me try to explain this better. This me watching this last night, like slightly high, like trying to recall what I was learning. How is it that we wouldn't have already been visited by aliens? Well, you know, we have. I mean, there's in, there's literally so much evidence now. I don't know if you saw this the other day. Like we have recovered a non-human craft with like unique atomic properties. This like just happened. But I definitely think we have been visited by aliens. What I'm worried about is. Are the aliens visiting us because climate change is getting so bad that they're like, okay, we're going to like farm this planet for resources, but now you guys are (laughs) ruining it and we have to step in. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but then that's the thing is there's so many secrets that I think the government has that we don't know, which by the way, I don't people thinking I'm becoming like this wild conspiracy theorist. I'm definitely not. And I don't think that, but I am not a hundred percent certain we're not in a simulation. Some of the other things that lead to more simulation. Have you heard of the Mandela effect? Yes, definitely. Okay. So I would. So everyone listening, the Mandela effect is basically when thousands and thousands of people have the same memory. But in reality, it's not actually something that occurred. So some examples of the Mandela effect are the fact that Febreze only has one E and not two. That the man who is the logo of Monopoly doesn't have a monocle. I swear, I remember him having a monocle, which is one of those eyeglasses on his eyes, and he doesn't. Another Mandela effect is that many, many people remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison, but he actually didn't die in prison. So that's why they call it the Mandela effect. Another one is that Kit Kat doesn't have a hyphen, it's Kit Kat no hyphen, and that the Bernstein bears were actually. The Bernstein Bears and not the Bernstein Bears. So there's lots and oh, and the Raisin Brand son doesn't have glasses. I swear I saw him with glasses. Did the, you? The Berenstein Bears one really messes me up because why would you ever spell it Berenstain? <laughs> like that doesn't right. make sense. I'm like we all know it's Berenstein, right? But it's just like why would you even do that? But it's What's not. And it? so then the the theory is that has our reality like kind of glitched with another reality where half the people remember something one way and half the people don't because they've like uncoded it. Siri played glitch by Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I think there's been a glitch. And then I think another thought and Elon Musk basically said, and I quote, there is a one in a billionth chance that we are base reality. 
So he definitely thinks that we are, well, there's two things that are true, okay? It, it has to be one or the other. Either we are base reality. So we're the first life to ever, ever form. And we are the ones to determine, like, are we going to basically destroy ourselves, right? Destroy the planet, destroy humanity, and then like kill off all life, you know, that's ever existed. Or we're in a simulation. So it's literally one or the other because we're either going to create the next simulation or we are already a simulation that's been created. <laughs> I hate this so much. But the thing is, then this video did pose the question of like, okay, if we are a simulation, like who created us? And if you think about like when people believe in God, like a lot of the belief in God and like this higher plan is basically like the people who run the simulation and then the code is the plan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> to quote Taylor Swift, you're losing me. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, well, I am assigning everyone homework. OK, your homework is to watch the new episode of Black Mirror called mm. Joan is Awful. I watched it last night. It was the most genius piece of television I've seen on simulation theory. And the chances that I watched that last night after watching the simulation stuff is just ironic. But everyone needs to watch Joan is Awful, okay? If you're slightly compelled or slightly confused or just anything in between, watch the episode of Black Mirror called Joan is Awful because that just, it shook me. And I don't even want to explain it now because I don't want to spoil it for you. But as soon as we end, Christiana, I will tell you the whole synopsis. I gotta watch it. Don't spoil it for me. Okay, fine. I won't spoil it for you. But then, okay, okay, then I'll go. Everyone needs to watch that. I'll give you guys all like a week, okay? And then I'm gonna break it down on my Instagram. Anyways, this was definitely a chaotic life update. I love you all so much, and I'll see you next time. New episodes of Real Pod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or a review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with Real Pod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.